Villas Grace Church. Building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are gathered together this morning to worship You. Help us be a church that remembers that Sundays are for us to worship Christ, for the sacrifice that you made for us upon the cross. And because you made that sacrifice, we can even pray the prayer that we're praying right now. Guide us in the rest of our worship this morning through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a lost art, if you ask me. Some of you are great. In fact, there's some younger Couples in this church who are just awesome at sending thank you notes in the mail. I was always raised to send a thank you note in the mail, but this is a little bit different. This is an invitation. I hope some of you can see exactly what's going on here. It's rather fancy, but this is an invitation to Emily and Arthur's wedding. So who wants to go? Anybody want to go to Emily and Arthur's wedding? I mean, you're now invited. It's on the screen. If you're going to go to Emily and Arthur's wedding, though, you need to do one thing because it is customary that we RSVP, you know, RSVP, that French phrase. You guys know what that means, right? You know what RSVP means, right? It's that French phrase. It means, well, let me, let me give it to you in, in French really quick here. Here it is. It's on the screen for you. It's a resbande, s'il vous plaît. I don't even think I said it right. Somebody help me out there. I know, I know Bill, I know Steve, Pastor Steve. I know Greg knows a little French as well. But that's what it means, resbande, s'il vous plaît. I don't even speak French. Or in English, it means to respond to an invitation. So if somebody's going to take the time to create an invitation for their wedding and they send it to you in the mail, it is customary that we respond to the invitation. It wouldn't be customary for us to not respond, would it? Because after all, why do they want us to RSVP? Because there's going to be a celebration. And they need to plan accordingly. It wouldn't be fair for us to say that we're going and then not show up, would it? It wouldn't be fair for us to not respond because then they won't know how much wedding cake to actually purchase. Brothers and sisters, we've been asked, we've been invited and now it's time for us to RSVP. We need to respond to an invitation. And I'm not talking about Emily and Arthur's wedding. That's not where I'm going with this. No. You wanted to go, didn't you, David? David, David had a date lined up and everything. That's not what I'm talking about. So those of you that wanted to go to a wedding, no, that's not what we're talking about. We need to respond to the new covenant, the new way of doing 
things. And we've been invited by none other than Jesus himself. And this is the reason why we've titled today's sermon, Responding to Jesus. Responding to Jesus. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with us. If not, no worries. All the verses will be on the screen this morning. We cannot forget that last week we recognized that the sacrifice of Jesus was actually one and done. Jesus and his sacrifice was one and done. It was an unrepeatable sacrifice, and that lone, unrepeatable sacrifice is actually the only thing that could ever take away sin. So if we're not going through Jesus, we learn that we're simply just going through the motions. Either we're going through Jesus, or we're just going through the motions. Today, the author of Hebrews is encouraging us to respond. Respond to Jesus and His invitation for us to, as it's going to tell us today in the text, enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You get where I'm going with that? If you think Emily and Arthur's wedding invitation was fancy, just remember that your invitation from Jesus was written in his blood. So let's get into this text this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. As we look at these verses this morning, we're going to simplify them into one sentence, and that sentence would be this. The appropriate response to Jesus' invitation is to fellowship in love until He returns again. That's basically what these verses are telling us this morning. That is the encouragement. This is our takeaway. When we look at all these verses and put them into one sentence, it's exactly what it says. The appropriate response to Jesus' invitation is to fellowship in love until He returns again. This quote that you are looking at is from Charles Spurgeon. I don't know about you, but I can relate to this quote. Charles Spurgeon, for those of you that do not know, is considered to be the Prince of Preachers. His sermons are excellent. He says this, When Jesus died on the cross in the temple was torn, or the veil in the temple was torn so that big sinners like me could fit through. The veil in the temple was torn so big sinners like me could fit through. As you remember, we discussed the veil. 
as Jesus was sacrificed. The veil was torn, which represented the fact that there was no longer a divide between us and God. Because if we can remember back what happened, only the high priest could go behind the veil. But this new covenant that we're talking about, this invitation that we need to now RSVP, because we received it, because of the work of Jesus, this invitation that He has sent us ourselves, is an invitation to the very place that only the high priest used to be able to go to. It's been torn for big, fat sinners like us. Always ask this question as you look at these verses. What's the therefore, therefore? See, Hebrews 1, the very first chapter that we went through, did an excellent job of explaining the superior sacrifice that Jesus actually was. And the superior sacrifice of Jesus, Him being the ultimate high priest now, should give us confidence. Especially as we have this invitation to now walk in past the veil into the holy places, the holy of holies, Have you ever walked into a room yourself, though, and been a little overdressed or underdressed? I think we've all been there. It could be a confidence killer. If you walk into the room and you're overdressed, or if you're underdressed for the occasion, that can be a confidence killer. But we don't have to worry about that now. Adorned in our sinfulness, we are completely underdressed within God's presence. Because of the blood of Jesus washing away our sin because of our faith in Him, we're dressed fit for the occasion to be in God's presence. Brothers and sisters, we get to enter the holiest of places with confidence simply because we're covered by the blood of Jesus. In verse 20, this is where we get our quote from Charles Spurgeon. I just want to read verse 20 out loud as you follow along. By the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn so that big sinners like me could fit through. Can I get an amen on that? What are you saying? I'm the biggest sinner in the room? What are you guys saying here? No, the veil was torn so big sinners like you can get through too. Church, that's you, that's me, this is we. Not the French we. That means yes, right? I don't know. We. We're just nothing but a bunch of big sinners confidently walking into the presence of God. You guys picking up what we're putting down this morning? We get to be in God's presence, not because of us, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that Jesus did. We've established Jesus as a superior sacrifice clearly in Hebrews so far, but he's also the perfect priest, and we can't forget that. He's the perfect priest, as it says, over the house of God. Now, if Jesus is the perfect priest and His blood has washed away our sins, what does that make us? 
That makes us priests too. We are now a royal priesthood because of our faith in Jesus. And because we're priests, we have access to God. That's the reason why the veil was torn. It represents our now access to God, but only if we've placed our faith in the work of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, a royal priesthood, and as a royal priesthood, we must respond to Jesus. We need to RSVP. You cannot be part of the royal priesthood if you've yet to respond to the invitation that Jesus has sent. We need to respond to being in the presence of God, that invitation that God has asked us because He wants to be in a relationship with us. Verse 22, there's actually, in this verse, three recommended responses to Jesus just in this verse alone. These are three ways that we can actually respond to the Lord in our lives. See, first, we can respond to fellowship with a sincere heart. So when we come together in fellowship, we need to do so with a sincere heart. It says, a true heart full of assurance of faith. So when you come together... Be genuine, not hypocritical. The same heart that you have outside of fellowship should be the same heart that you have within fellowship. The same heart that you have within fellowship should be the same heart that you have outside of fellowship. Secondly, we can respond to God's presence with confidence as has already been stated. Because it says, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience. That's amazing. Our hearts have been sprinkled clean, which tells me, which should be telling us that we can confess our sin with confidence. We can admit who we are without Jesus. For the purpose of glorifying and lifting up His name, His blood has made us clean. See, one of the problems that most of us have is that we get caught up in guilt. Satan's greatest tool against each and every one of us is just that. He wants you to focus on your past because he himself has no future. If He can get you to focus on your past, then you won't know that you have a future in Jesus either. That is His goal. But we're here today to remind you that you have hope. You have a future because of what it says right here. Our bodies washed with pure water. Actually, that's the next one. Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, which tells me, My conscience is evil, and that's exactly what Satan's doing. He's guilting me to remind me, your conscience is evil, but I can say, no, no, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's a fitting argument from somebody who doesn't have a future. I wouldn't expect anything less from him. Now, the third thing, as I already kind of... Fast forwarded to that we can do to respond to this invitation that Jesus has sent us is to respond in the purity of Jesus. Our bodies washed with 
pure water. Church, live from grace because you know God's mercy. Now let me explain that. Too often, people think they have to live to earn God's grace. No. You don't earn God's grace. You receive God's grace. And when you receive God's grace, you can live from God's grace. But you can live from God's grace only if you know His mercy. Which is precisely why, with confidence, the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, in that quote that we just went over, can say, the veil has been torn so big sinners like me can get through. That's knowing God's mercy. And that's learning to live from God's grace. We don't have to react in order for God to give us His grace. No. We live from the appreciation that God has saved us through the blood of Jesus. Because after all, grace is a gift. And last time I checked, you could do nothing to earn a gift. In verse 23, we have one recommended response to Jesus. We need to respond to Jesus in spiritual consistency. What does it say? Hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Because remember, Satan's going to remind you of your past. So you can't hold on fast to your hope. The idea is to hold on to Jesus and never let go. This kind of reminds me of the Baxter girls, Maddie and Bailey here at Villa's Grace. Sometimes when they get grandpa or grandma or dad or mom, they're not letting go, are they? No, they're not. We should be like children, clinging to our father, not wanting anybody else to hold us. This world wants you to let go. But we're being encouraged today here in Hebrews to be consistent to never let go, to hold fast to our hope. Church, I'm asking this question because I know it's difficult, but do you believe that this is actually possible in your life? Do you believe that you can consistently, day in and day out, hold fast? Brothers and sisters, do you believe that you can consistently cling to Jesus? See, I would say that this is possible. It's only possible, though, if we call upon the strength of the Lord and His endurance and not our own. Not our strength. Just like not our work is what leads to salvation. Our salvation has nothing to do with us. If we take an honest self-evaluation of who we are without Jesus, what our hearts look like without His having intervened, we deserve death, don't we? The message of the gospel tells us as much, but the message of the gospel says, even though you deserve death, I will go to the cross for you so I can be in a relationship with you for all of eternity, which allows us to look at our past and our guilt and our shame, and we can say, nothing but the blood of Jesus 
What can wash away my sins? Amen. In verse 24, our final recommendation for responding to Jesus finds us responding to Jesus with some responsibility. Now I'm sounding like a parent. But it's the truth, right? This is God's word. He's our father. And he's telling us you need to be responsible. You need to respond to my invitation with a little bit of responsibility. Because what does it say right here? Stir up one another to love and good works. So my question would be, if we can stir one another up for love and good works, that means we can stir one another up for bad too, right? Ministry is not a one-way street. Now, let me define the term ministry. Ministry simply means to serve. So when you're performing a ministry, you're actually serving somebody. We should be serving one another, and that's the reason why we can say that ministry is not a one-way street. And we need to be careful about that. We need to be careful because sometimes we can get caught not serving anybody. We can be guilty of just serving ourselves. Sometimes we can be so concerned with serving other people, we don't let anybody serve us. And, and, and there's a danger to that. Because if you're preoccupied with serving others and not allowing anybody to serve you or minister to you because you're ministering to other people, guess who's not getting discipled? You. So be careful about that as well. We need to serve one another. We need to serve others and allow others to serve us. But we can't do that in isolation, can we? We can only do that if we are together. And this brings us to say this about this first section of verses. Responding to the blood of Jesus grants us access to God's presence. So when we respond in these ways, when we RSVP back to God and say, yes, I want to be in your presence because I believe that the blood of Jesus has washed away my sins and has given me this invitation to be in your presence, what we see is that it happens because of our response and we live these things out. But we have to respond. We have to make the decision. We have to receive God's grace and then first repent so we can respond in such a way. Also, let's remember what our main idea is this morning that one sentence that put all these verses together stated this, the appropriate response to Jesus' invitation is to fellowship in love until he returns again. This photo depicts us, actually, as a group. That's us. This is us responding to Jesus in action. Fellowship happens when we do not neglect to meet together. Church, we need to be consistently getting together. We do that. This is an example. Right now, we, we are together this morning for the sole purpose of worshiping Jesus. That's Sunday morning service. After service, which this photo depicts, all of us coming together here our Hispanic ministry, our ministry, together, after service, sharing a meal. We get together during the week in our life groups. 
We also have events outside of the church. These are all ways in which we can fellowship together, ways in which we can do life together, encouraging one another as we, as it's going to say, as we're going to pull these verses back up, as we see the day drawing near. The million dollar question is this, how can we stir one another up if said one another neglects to meet together. If we neglect to be meeting together, then how can we actually stir one another up? Now, I'm sure all of us have heard the excuses before. We've all heard the excuses. Maybe we've even said some of these excuses of of why so-and-so doesn't go to church. You know, we've heard people say things like, I don't need to go to church. No, no, wait, 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 wait. I don't, I don't need to go. See, I'm spiritual. Yeah, I'm spiritual. I don't, I don't need to go to church. Or we hear people say things like, you know, I'm just not being fed. Quite simply, yeah, I don't go anymore. Just, just not being fed. Or, or we hear people say things like, yeah, I would go, but I'm just, you know, I, church has left a bad taste in my mouth. I had a really bad experience in the past. Or one that doesn't really make any sense, especially as it pertains to the gospel. You hear the excuse from people where, where they will say, you know, I would go to church now, but now's not the time because I need to get right with God first. I'll get right with God, and, and then, you know, I'll take you up on the invitation to, to maybe come to church with you some Sunday morning. Or how about this one? You know, I would go to church, but I don't want to go hang out with a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I'm looking at a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, you're looking at a hypocrite. In fact, that veil was torn so this big, fat hypocrite could get through. And we can't forget that. So as Joe comes up and joins me and we close out this morning, allow me to ask a question. Personally, I mean, do you want to grow in Jesus? I mean, when it, when it comes down to it and we get down to brass tacks, do you want to grow in Jesus? See, Christian fellowship propels us toward spiritual growth. Brothers and sisters, do you recognize the encouragement that we're we're hearing this morning? Growth, quite simply, isn't individual. Growth is collective. And that's the reason why we always hear Miss Hallie say, go team. We are a team in this. We spur one another on. I need you, you need me, we need we, we all need each other. This world is pressuring us to conform to its values. And that's nothing new. That is absolutely nothing new. This world wants us to conform to its pattern. But we need to encourage each other each day We need to encourage each other when we come together to stay strong in Jesus. I know that I need your encouragement in my life. And I hope I can be an encouragement to you in your life to do the same. So why go to church? Why attend a life group? 
well, I can tell you why we go to church and fellowship, why we do things like come together in life groups during the week, or maybe you attend Ladies of Grace, or any of the things or the options that we have for you here at Villa's Grace. I can tell you why. Because we need to be reminded that this world's message is a lie. And the only strength that we have in the future is found in the work of Jesus. Look no further than the greatest lie being spun modern day. And like we said at the outset, those experts who are telling us to do one thing are telling us the opposite of another. And it's up for us to decide, especially as we run it through the filter of the gospel. We run everything, everything through the filter of the blood of Jesus. So again, why go to church? Simply to be reminded that God's word is the truth. Everything else coming at us tells us the opposite. Everything else tells us there is no absolute truth. You can't trust the Bible. No. The Bible, God's word, is all we can trust. I don't even trust myself. I don't even trust myself. But I trust God's word. I would like to close by reading a letter. This is written some years ago. Actually, it was over in the UK. It was a letter written to a newspaper. And let me read this. This individual wrote in and wrote this. I have been attending services quite regularly for the past 30 years, he wrote. And during that time, I have listened to no less than 3,000 sermons. But to my consternation, I discover I cannot remember a single one of them. I wonder if a minister's time might be more profitably spent on something else. There is one person who wrote back in, and this is one of the responses to that I have been married for 30 years. During that time, I have eaten 32,850 meals, mostly of my wife's cooking. Suddenly, I have discovered that I cannot remember the menu of a single meal. And yet, I receive nourishment from every one of them. I have the distinct impression that without them, I would have starved to go to death long ago. Think about that the next time someone gives you an excuse of why they don't go to church. All I have to say, when it comes to Jesus, respectai, s'il vous plaît. And this brings us to our final point this morning. Those who neglect Christian fellowship neglect Jesus. Those who neglect Christian fellowship Neglect Jesus. If you neglect getting together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, you neglect Christ himself. And finally, or once more time for reminder, let's look at that first idea which stated, responding to the blood of Jesus grants us access to God's presence. Finally, our main idea this morning stated this. The appropriate response to Jesus' invitation is to fellowship in love until he returns again. And where we get that from is this. Verse 25, if we could throw that on the screen one last time. Right there at the end, what does it say? As you see the day drawing near, 
The day that is being referenced is the day of Jesus and His return. Our job as Christians is to continue in fellowship with one another until Jesus returns again. And let that be our hope. Let that be our hope. No matter what it is that happens in this world, Jesus is coming back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your work and we want to pray as a church that we can continue to learn how to pursue you, that we can encourage each other in that each and every day. Lord, help us be a body of believers who are all about sharing our faith with others so people can come to a saving faith in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. 